1: tuning in to this episode of the Black Gunners podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and we are entering the world of Interpop Comics, because for one, for me, they got some dope block parties. If you haven't checked it out, you haven't done an online block party, highly recommend it. But Interpop Comics, for those who do not know, is building games and entertainment brands using true digital ownership to redefine fandom through digital collectibles and experience. I'm talking about comic industry veterans and talented engineers at the forefront of the NFT space coming together at Interpop Comics. So there you go. But for this episode, I had the pleasure of talking with Interpop Comics' own Brian David Marshall and Rachel Gluckstern. So much fun talking to these guys. Brian David Marshall, he has been obsessed with comics and games, which, you know, spans the reason why he's the president and publisher of Interpop. He has been obsessed with comics and games ever since he was bitten by a radioactive Uncanny X-Men issue 141 in grade school. Pause for that issue. Uncanny X-Men shout out. (laughs) He also sold, sold his first comic book script when he was still in high school and climbed every rung on the editorial ladder from intern to publisher. On the gaming side, Brian was one of the first organizers to run large scale Magic the Gathering tournaments and opened the first tournament center, a 5,000 square foot retail outlet known as Neutral Ground and was an on-air personality for Magic up until his current role. He has designed licensed board games as well as multiple CCGs. Then we have Rachel Gluckstern, who is group editor of the Emergence Universe under the uh, Interpop umbrella. And she was forged in the fires of the Batcave with over a decade, you guys, a decade of experience at DC Comics. She also developed the charms imprint uh, or paper cuts and spearheaded the graphic novel program for little B books, acquiring the critically acclaimed Always Human. Now she's working to conquer one more format as group editor of Interpop's line of digital comics. Also, for all you people trying to enter the comic space here, a little tip. She wears a lot of black clothing because it saves time. Hey, There you go. There's your tip. And I got many more tips and they have many more tips for you. So sit back and relax because here we go into the Interpop comics world. And and you know, if there's one thing I like more than talking about comics, it's talking about the future of comics and how advanced the technology is getting, if I can get it out. See, I'm way too excited to talk about comics. And just where it's going, just in general, when you talk about digital comics and how do you get the ownership when it comes to the writers, to to their creators. And so I have Interpop Comics joining me today. And I have Brian David Marshall. He is the president and publisher of Interpop. And I have Rachel Gluckstern. She is the group editor of the Emergence Universe. Brian, Rachel, thank you so
2: much for uh, joining me today. Oh, Thank you so much for having us. It's uh, really exciting to, to talk about all this.
3: Yeah, thank you very much, Ryan. I'm and I have ready. to,
2: um, th- thank you for
1: joining me. And I have to admit off the top here that I had to have you guys on because I need to make sure I'm invited to ever enter every interpop block party ever <laughs> assigned, invited, because that was way cool for you guys to do that. I couldn't believe it was like a comic convention on my computer screen.
3: Right? I was- oh, that- I was so impressed at the technology because if we do these Zoom things, but it's still not, it still doesn't have that person-to-person contact and the Topia platform that we did for Internet Block Party, amazing. I just threw my hands up in amazement and realized nobody could see that.
2: <laughs> it looked uh, great you, from my end. It, it was great because, uh, you know, like like, like Rachel said, you know, Zoom is, is very efficient and obviously, you know, for podcasting and for meeting and for doing all sorts of other stuff, but but it's not great on serendipity, and uh, you know, it was it was first of all like just being in that hall and like I ran into people that I knew from all over the world and I haven't seen obviously in close to two years, so that was that was pretty amazing. But then also, uh, I think the most satisfying moment of the of the convention and this this was an event we put on for the launch of our, our comic line and we gave away a free NFT comic. Um, was having a panel and having somebody come running across across this virtual space <laughs> last minute to join the panel because they got lost in one of the side halls, you know. And 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 I was like, oh yeah, this is now this is a convention, right? <laughs> yeah. Only, we were, thing, I, only
1: thing missing was you don't have to worry about parking, but I'm glad that was missing. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> I, and you know, I, I charged everyone ten dollars for a bottle of water and to sort of you know make it feel a little more like a, like a con. <laughs>
3: I went absolutely the only day on only coffee and a pretzel <laughs> fantastic I like
1: being in my pajamas you don't have to worry about parking I mean you know there were a couple weird voices that were telling me to make sure to get my swag bag but I appreciate that but you know so you know other than that it was great experience
2: <laughs> well, by the way this. by the way swag bags went out today so you you nice. if, if you if you did Redeem it. Uh, we, we have um, nearly thirty thousand free copies of the nine number zero NFT that are going out into people's uh, virtual wallets uh, today. So uh, we're we're really excited about that. Rachel, were we, you had anything you want to add to that? Or you...
3: well, um, just to Brian's point, um, as we talk about digital comics. Let let us take a moment to appreciate that the premiere issue of a brand new universe that people have not really heard of and it's digital only, nearly thirty thousand people are gonna read that. That's when you look at you know when you look at the diamond charts for physical right. comics, that's that's quite the achievement. I have Exactly, to say. yeah. It's very nice, very nice.
0: The Black Girl Nerds podcast will return in just a moment. Respect, starring Jennifer Hudson, follows the rise of Aretha Franklin's career, from a child singing in her father's church to her international superstardom. Aretha handpicked Jennifer to portray her in this film, the remarkable story of Franklin's journey to find her voice and never lose faith. Her music shaped a generation, topping music charts with anthems still relevant today. From Think to Respect to Amazing Grace, Jennifer Hudson performed all her songs live and they demand to be experienced in a theater. Respect also stars Forrest Whitaker, Marlon Wayans, Audra McDonald, Mark Maron, Titus Burgess, and Mary J. Blige. Don't miss Respect in theaters Friday. Within the culture, our eating habits are constantly evolving. Rebellion Harvest is a black-owned pistachio company. That's right. Support black businesses, y'all. And I think this is definitely a good start because first and foremost, it's food. We all love food. We all need food, right? And it's healthy. And it's actually really good. They have some yummy flavors that you can choose from, such as Lemon Pepper Wet, Badu Sage, Exotic Mystery, and Jalapeno. They've created a fun, refreshing, and unapologetic way for nut lovers everywhere to just enjoy a light snack that's flavorful and well within our culture. I tried the pistachios. I'm a pistachio stan. I love them. I annihilated my bag. I'm not going to let you know if I did that in one sitting, but they got cleared right away. But don't take my word for it. You should check it out yourself. A great snack should never, ever have to sacrifice flavor. Why don't you go over to rebellionharvest.com, use the promo code BLACKGIRLNERDS to get 10% off your order. Again, that's rebellionharvest.com, promo code Black Girl Nerds, to get 10% off your order.
1: Look, before we get into all these uh, Interpop achievements, though, I got to go back to you guys' zero issue, right? The beginning of Brian and Rachel, how did you guys, (laughs) like, what was the interest getting started in comics? And please give us your childhood favorite superheroes, villains. Brian, I'll go back to you first.
2: Oh yeah, well I, that's that is the correct sequencing since we're going to go by age, um, <laughs> <laughs> by mint, by you know vintage <laughs> edition. Um, I, you know I've been uh, I the first comic I ever remember seeing was and and you know it's so funny because I can remember the cover perfectly I don't remember I don't remember the issue number but it was a, it was a in the hundreds of Amazing Spider Man, and it was. Jay Jonah Jameson on the cover cowering under his desk, while the Man Wolf comes crashing through. I think it's a John. Uh, I think it's a John Romita Sr. cover, and and Spider Man is going to fight the Man Wolf, and Jay Jonah Jameson's begging with begging him, please right. don't hurt him. He's my son, right? And that and uh, it was over at that moment, right? And I was just <laughs> like, what is this? I don't know what this medium is, but I want to open it up and I want to find out about this. And I and I remember it to this day. Um so so Spider-Man's always held a held a really special place in my heart. But but I think the the uh when I when I think about a, a comic character that's my favorite, it may actually end up being Kitty Pride simply because she was on the cover of X-Men Uncanny X Men 141, which when I was uh a fateful day in 1980 I wandered into a Tiamo you know cigar store in Brooklyn to you know buy some Swedish fish or something and um that comic cover was on the stand and it just changed my life that totally transformed my life it's why I make comics it's why I've worked in comics it's why I, how I met my wife and how everything about my life I'm on a completely I'm a different variant If I uh, (laughs) if I if I don't if I don't walk into that store that day and and see that cover, so Um, from from there I I just I I started working in comics when I was in high school. I I worked for a company called Deluxe Comics, which was uh, a startup in Brooklyn that was working with Dave Cockrum and and George Perez and Steve Ditko and Keith Giffen and Robert Lauren Fleming and Roy Thomas, and it was. It was kind of a pretty heady introduction into the world of comics for me. Uh, for, from there, I, I started my own publishing company called Eternity Comics, uh, which was a, a black and white uh, outfit. Uh, you know, during that comics boom, um, worked with a lot of amazing people there, uh, and eventually uh, stepped away from comics after after that. Worked in games, came back to comics, did some work for Marvel. As a writer. Um, and uh, I don't know, somehow, somehow uh trying to condense all those years into uh ma- starting Interpop. Uh, we this is this is just like this culmination for me of like uh the superhero genre of comics. You know, comic comics are way, way bigger than superheroes, right? I don't want anyone to ever confuse superheroes as just comics right like i think the, the the medium is gigantic but the genre of superheroes is something that i I've, right. I've, I've loved my whole life and uh this is this is my this world that uh i i started creating and, and that rachel has um been been shepherding into existence two very different things <laughs> uh is 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 really a love letter to to that genre for me. And, uh, and, and, you know, uh, Rachel's just done an amazing job um, bringing that to life, bringing it to this, you know, really modern uh, take on, on the genre. You know, that still feels classic and, uh, and, and bringing some amazing people on board to, to help tell the stories that uh, we, we've, we've imagined into existence. So, Rachel, you want to tell your story? sure
3: um well comics have always as a comics fandom has always been part of my uh life because my dad and my uncle and my mom she always gets mad if i don't mention she used to collect Thor. um but, but uh very strongly my dad and my uncle were both very big comics people my dad had all these comics history books my uncle collected marvels in the 70s um so I kind of grew up already absorbed in the medium, just reading all this amazing vintage stuff. Um, and I just loved comics right from the get-go. The two, the two issues I remember first buying um, was The Brave and the Bold, I think it's 195. It's when Batman teamed up with Ragman. And it was so cool. Because Ragman was such a mysterious figure that he freaked out even Batman. And you want to read a story about that. You want to be like, who is this guy so creepy that even Batman's like, wow? Yes, yes. <laughs> Take it down a notch. <laughs> um, and the other one that I really remember very clearly was Amethyst number one, Princess of Gemworld. Um, to me, she was just like such a perfect fantasy character for me to get into because she starts out as a normal 13 year old she goes into this other universe where she's actually a lost princess of the world she ages uh, from 13 to 20 so you know she looks gorgeous and everything tell me that's not a little girl dream come true exactly right exactly (laughs) um and i want to point out that that was edited by karen berger who went, went on to found vertigo um and karen i think is criminally underrated in terms of what she did for the industry by the founding of vertigo Um, she elevated superheroes in a whole nother direction before really letting vertigo run off in its own amazing um business model that straddled that line where people go from they like superheroes but they want something that they feel is kind of less you know, embarrassing, even though superheroes yep. are wonderful. Yeah, um, absolutely. But anyway, that's sort of tangent. So for me uh, in college, I realized that comics were made by actual people. I already knew I wanted to be an editor and I was <laughs> like, hey, I could edit comics. That's something people do. So I did an internship at DC uh, during my, after my junior year of college And once I graduated college, I moved to New York and banged on their door for a few years until they finally hired me as an assistant editor. So I really got my editorial formation foundation laid at DC. I was there for over 10 years. Uh, I was part of the rather controversial New 52 initiative. Um, I let Damian Wayne die on my watch and then I brought him back. I got to revive Amethyst um amethyst shows up a lot more often these days but um the very first revival really happened under me which was a dream come true even as i was terrified that somehow i would you know disappoint karen (laughs) because again (laughs) editorial idol um so i did that and when dc relocated to burbank i decided even though i could have gone out there i decided to spin my career out from there Um, So I went into traditional book publishing, acquired some graphic novels, developed some graphic novel programs. And then 2020 happened. (laughs) And I happened to be in the job market and Brian happened to need a, uh, a group editor. So all the pieces came together. And it's exciting for me because I've worked in traditional superhero comics. I've worked on graphic novels. Now I get to do a whole new format. And... Being able to help develop a new universe from the ground up with all the contemporary sensibilities that we have been trying to bring to it um, in terms of storytelling in terms of diversity and inclusion uh, in terms of rewarding creators. In a way it's a dream come true. Both Brian and I have managed to land on a dream come true scenario. That's pretty great.
1: (laughs) Listen, I gotta ask you before we transition real quick, cause you worked on uh Catwoman as well, right? When you did some stuff with DC? I did. What would you say your tip is when you gotta go Batwoman, uh I'm sorry, uh Batman to Catwoman? Your your number uh, one tip there. I was very curious to ask you this question.
3: Okay, but what do you what do you mean specifically? What I guess as an as an editor, what do
1: you look for? Like what is the number one thing where you look for these stories when you're going from I guess you having the right for Catwoman transition to Batwoman. Is there like a number one uh character tip you you would have or
3: or thing you look for, I guess story-wise? Well, I mean, with any with any title, I think you just want to stay true to who the characters are. So Batman is very much more law and order than Catwoman. he's got this hurt trauma inside of him. He doesn't want other people risking their lives when he can do that for them because he doesn't want anyone else to die on his watch uh catwoman is a little more self-interested i would say um (laughs) and she's you know she since she is solitary she doesn't have to worry about other people she can take bigger risks um I hope that's answering your question.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. I, I really just wanted you to talk more about uh, Batman and Catwoman because I think that's so cool. That that's part of <laughs> part uh, of your part of your resume there. So I, I appreciate any little tips you could give us. I just want a little inside <laughs> scoop. So that works perfectly.
3: All right. Well, I mean, obviously, I did work on a rather infamous issue of Catwoman. Uh, the yes. One where yep, yep. She and Batman hook up pretty openly, <laughs> uh, and that was pretty funny to revisit in light of the recent uh controversy about <laughs> batman and catwoman from the Harley yeah, Harley yeah. cartoon uh i would say my batman's a very generous lover so <laughs> <laughs> i love it
1: that's hilarious I love it. I love it look we're gonna trans we're gonna transform uh trans uh transformation i was gonna say transformation not what we're gonna do we're gonna transition <laughs> I don't know how we go from the Batman, though, to the gaming, because Brian, <laughs> I want to bring into the, <laughs> I want to bring he, in these he is uh... a
3: master of strategy.
1: <laughs> hey, there you go. There you go. There you go. I love it. I love it. So master of strategy, Brian, i bring you in here because <laughs> I love this, the gaming background that you have, if you want to talk a little bit about that, and then also inner, um, bring that into inner pop. I think that is so cool. And sure. also it brings in the, the fan element even more. Being sure. able to emphasize these storylines and everything, I think, is amazing.
2: So, so uh, when I uh, I was in, I was back in comics uh, after a little while, and I m- I made the mistake of opening up a Magic the Gathering booster pack, and <laughs> and this had a very similar impact on my life as X Men One Forty One, right? Like where like I read X Men One Forty One, and then every single decision I made for the next I don't know. Thirteen years was about being in comics or making comics or thinking about comics, and then uh, when I when I opened up that that magic pack and started playing the game, and uh, it just took me down this direction of of, of gaming, uh, something I'd always been interested in, but something that just began to really consume my brain. And so um, I started uh, organizing magic tournaments, started opened a, a pretty famous gaming store in New York City called Neutral Ground, and that. Led me into opportunities in the game space, which included running organized play for Marvel Comics for their game, oh, it was a trading a superhero trading card game uh, from from the uh, from the late nineties, and uh, which which led to other opportunities to to make games and to um, talk about games professionally. I, I did a lot of work for Wizards of the Coast over the year as a over the years as an esports personality. Uh, my my title was pro tour historian which uh <laughs> basically meant the oldest guy we know i think but uh it was 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 really about um telling stories about people who played games professionally and and, and sharing their experiences and, and and shining a light on people who were doing something at a at a high level of excellence right and i uh, really enjoyed that work uh which then led to a couple of different uh game design opportunities and you know as part of that role of talking to all these like really talented uh players you also find some really talented game designers and someone i've known for throughout a, a big chunk of that time is someone named Zvi oschwitz who's a hall of fame magic The gathering player and, and he and i were talking about building a, a trading card game and uh we we decided to to build a trading card game set in the emergence universe so this really came before this this comic venture. And uh what was really unusual about that is that we decided uh that the game was gonna be built on on the blockchain. Uh and this is, you know, when we when we first really started talking about this, this is pre-COVID. So you know this is this is, you know, two more than two years ago at this point. You know, people didn't even know how to spell NFT yet. Um, and you know, we we decided we were going to build this card game and we we started going down that road. And um once we started doing that in earnest, uh it, it became pretty obvious that there was a lot of other opportunities in that NFT space besides gaming. Uh and so we um, you know, that's when I I, I reached out to Rachel and, and and brought Rachel on. I was like, I think we can take this universe and these sort of like really these broad strokes of these characters and tell a very you know, for lack of a better word, professional. Uh, you know, comic book story, uh, multiple comic book stories about them. We we re- we really want to, you know, flesh out this uh, IP into something that is, you know, a, a a fully realized universe. And 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 you know, and that's and that's where where Rachel came into it. And uh, and so so you know, the, the gaming experience led me back into the, the comic book experience and we've been doing uh, sort of both of those things in, in tandem. We're going to, the comic line is, you know, we, we, we launched on July 17th with the, the zero issue, which by the way, even if you didn't get the NFT, you can go read right now on interpopcomics.com. You can just go read that issue for, um, free? for free. Absolutely. Yes, I, I did it. Everybody go do it. <laughs> and um yeah. And then, and the game is going to, the game, we, we, we actually gave away some cards and sold some cards over the weekend that in advance of the game. So we're locked into it. It's got to come out now.
3: Uh, and
2: that, and, that, and that's going to happen. We're going to be in closed beta fourth quarter of this year, which is four products we've launched through Interpop in one year, which is, um, you know, you can't see it on the podcast, but this is me patting myself on the back for hiring good people who made that happen. Uh, and, uh, and we're going to be in open, in open beta. Uh, I think that the current target date is February of 2022. So, uh, people get to play games with these characters and get to, uh, collect them and, and level them up and do all this really cool stuff with these NFT trading cards. So...
1: And two, to the kind of piggyback off the NFT here, I know we probably can have a whole other podcast on NFT, <laughs> but if you can give us like a brief, like, you know, people are not aware of um, what an what a NFT is. And then also you guys are having your first round of voting is opening up soon, right? On your first uh, NFT?
2: Sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, NFT stands for non-fungible token. And, and, and what that means is that you have a digital asset that is unique. It is not You know, it is not simply uh, a toggle on your app that says, yes, you can read this comic because you paid $5 for it. It means you own that comic. It means you can sell that comic. It means you can trade that comic. Uh, It also means that whatever rights, owning that comic bestows upon you. So for example, you talked about voting. uh, again we gave out this this we're giving out this huge swath of the nine number zero uh nfts for everyone who who signed up uh, over the block party weekend and uh everyone who who got that can i talk about this yet rachel is is that yes yeah okay. uh everyone who got that that zero issue uh who has that nft in their wallet and basically your wallet is just like your login information on a website right you can do it with a Gmail account or a Twitter account and, and and other common like ways that you sign into websites. Um, if you own that comic, you are going to be able to determine what the artwork is for an upcoming cover of The Nine. So we're gonna have, uh, I believe three different sketches by Steve Ellis, who's the cover artist. And uh, they'll be uh, pretty different looking and you know, um, the people who own these comics will say, "This is the cover I want on this issue of the Nine and they're and they're going to vote on that. And, and this is the first vote that we're 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 initiating. And 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 that's a little bit you know because of the the weirdness around a zero issue. But once the the comic, we have three titles coming out. We have the Nine, we have Emergence Presents, and we have uh, a title called Zoe M G. Uh, and, and once those titles are running, each issue of the comic is gonna have elements within it that fans who own the NFT editions, and again, all of our comics will be available free to read. If you just, just wanna read the comics, I just want you to read these stories, right? That's, that's all I ask, like get excited, care about these characters, tell your friends, but if you want to vote on covers, determine what costumes people wear, honestly, Control the fate of this universe. Who's going to live and who's going to die? And I, I urge you to be very judicious here because this is this is killing me. I'm terrified of who's not going to make it out of this first arc of stories alive uh, is is all going to be determined by by fans who who own these NFT editions. And uh, I'm 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 really excited about it. I know I know it also terrifies Rachel, but maybe for different logistical reasons. <laughs> mainly logistical reasons
1: (laughs) well Rachel I was going to ask you about that as an editor like what about NFTs and the writers and creators that side of it what does NFT bring to the process and are you yeah I was going to ask you are you nervous about that (laughs) how much it opens up
3: uh well you know uh I worked on the semi-weekly series um not semi-weekly bi-weekly uh series Trinity so having to make decisions really quickly is something that just kind of comes to the territory at a certain point. Um, what excites me about these NFTs is that the technology involved can give us the opportunity to reward creators in a way that we were not previously able to do in physical uh, media. And this is nothing against physical media. I am a Luddite. I have so many books uh, just out of frame here. so. Um this is this is not me <laughs> trying to uh trash physical media cuz it's my roots. But with the NFTs, you know, we are doing work for higher stories, we're very transparent about that. Um but we have you know, throughout comics, work for higher comics has had creators still building these incredible worlds you know x-men 141 that's days of future past right yeah. I, yeah 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 um because i just referenced that cover earlier today actually to steve Ellis. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know the fact that 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 issue that was thought up by two people who were not necessarily guaranteed any sort of cut of the days of future past movie that came along later um you know they just created this incredible moment in x-men history that no fan has ever been able to forget so with nfts um we're able to give the creators who have been pouring their creative energy into our u- new universe just a warning um they will get they can eat The NFTs can give them royalties, not only on uh, a reader's first purchase of the NFT from us, but also any secondary back issue uh, trades or transactions that happen in the collectibles market. Same with original art. Um, Somebody sells original art. Somebody sells a John Byrne cover at a convention. John Byrne does not get a cut of that money unless it was John Byrne who sold that cover But with NFTs, um, you know, Colleen Duran, even when she sells an original NFT through our marketplace, as long as that transaction happens again on our marketplace between readers, she'll still get a cut of that. And that's amazing to me.
2: Yeah, imagine Amazing Fantasy 15 selling, you know, a copy selling for $2 million, right? Like where, where it's at right now and being able to give some portion of that transaction to the Steve Ditko estate. Right. Yeah. Right. It's kind of amazing. Right. This is, this is just like a a completely uh, transformative uh, way for uh, both fans and and publishers to participate in, in that uh, secondary market. And of course it's uh,
3: amazing. Yeah. Go ahead. And of course I'm excited that fans will get to have their creative voices, you know, heard and reflected more directly in the comics that's great but i won't lie the first thing people always ask me is uh you know why are you so excited about nfts and i really do think of the creators because i've seen these people struggle so hard for you know throughout my career and i want to reward them as much as i can for all the work they're they're doing for me and the company and you know whoever but i hire them so i feel I feel you know some responsibility yeah you know what
1: I want to spend talk about responsibility here these characters are crazy that you guys have invented (laughs) and so cool why I became a fan I want to know how to become a devastatrix if you can go ahead and lay that out like how I can transform that'd be dope if you could just lay that out for me but also just kind of tell us about the emergent and the nine these characters are so cool if you guys can only see right now these graphics I will pull them up but this is podcast so go check them out but yeah it's cool
3: well, that's wonderful. I'm super happy to hear that you're into them. Uh, you do. Need I, I love your... the
2: Devastatrix. She's she's one of my favorite uh, <laughs> one of my favorite character names I've ever coined.
3: <laughs> uh, you, I think you need your DNA unlocked in order to transform into her. Got it. Well, got it. Working on it right now.
2: We'll see what we can do. Time travel sometimes helps. Got it. Got it. <laughs> uh, and and also a a love of sports entertainment. Yes, so, yes. I really so that, have to work
1: on that one, but I got everything else.
2: So I, I don't know if it's, it's apparent in the comic yet. One of the things uh, about, that we're trying to do with this world is show superheroes living different lives necessarily than uh, what what they always, you know, what you always see. So Devastatrix is someone who was part of a superhero team called the Upstarts. She was uh, with, with the Crime Blotter, with um, Southside Century and Shimmerstorm. And they were kind of like a, a street level, like kind of where we're keeping the city safe uh, type, types of superheroes and that team is broken up by the time we pick up our story and they're, they're, they've all gone their separate paths and and the way the devastatrix has dealt with being a superhero post super team is she runs a sports entertainment league known as the EFL which is the emergent fighting league and she she actually participates in a form of restorative justice as opposed to um this kind of punitive vigilante style that she she lived her life as early on. She's like, you know what? We don't have to just be good guys or bad gals, right? We can be whatever we want, and we can just we can put on a show. <laughs> and so she works with she works with the the local uh, DA's office to actually try to rehabilitate some criminals and uh, create a, a sports entertainment league. You know that 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 puts on these kind of uh displays of strength and skill that you know you you might not get from a normal uh wrestling show think you know think uh you know roller derby meets WWE meets um you know copious amounts of even more steroids than any of those might already use you know just like you know through <laughs> amped up to to the to the nth degree so yeah. uh yeah she she's an awesome uh, she's an awesome character i can't wait to tell more just to get to tell more stories with her.
3: And the over the overarching story with the nine, we have these characters: uh, the Time Blotter now instead of the Crime Blotter, Xeroth, Professor Helios, Zoe MG, Shimmer Shimmerstorm, Devastatrix, Bookworm. Uh, shoot, I am forgetting my own. Coax, coax, and then the last one is Phaeton, who is dead. <laughs> so we need to bring these nine characters together for a pretty huge reason um and you'll start getting the true cosmic implications of that reason in the nine number one which is coming out september 8th um, yay and i mean a big part of driving this is why is phaeton dead and how can you form a group with somebody who is dead exactly number travel. one question <laughs> yes time travel time travel um but i am delighted to hear that you have read it um if you want to tell me your favorite scene i think your reader your listeners would be very interested to hear i was gonna say because i'm i'm
1: on when i'm reading issue zero here of the nine which you guys better go check out because it's free (laughs) <laughs> the uh i don't want to tell the ending i feel like i feel bad for telling the ending but that was oh, really okay. my favorite part because when it transformed when you just were saying the names and from from crime blotter on i love that transit but i don't want to i'm afraid to give it away and talk about like the book and everything that's in there but that's my coolest part like you guys when you see the ending and how this this tra- this character transforms i really like that because you don't see it coming like i thought he was done at the beginning that's great. um at the Coverton herald i thought he was done so i was so <laughs> cool to see that it was it was a new transformation so yeah, you guys definitely go check it out. So I don't spoil anything, I'm gonna be quiet now, but yeah, if you guys wanna give us any more little tips about the characters, also talk about, um, I think you already said Emergence Presents issue one um, coming out the 18th, right, of,
3: this, of uh, August. Yes, uh, that will feature the South Side Century who was uh, the fourth member of the Upstarts, um, the Accelerant who's one of the top students at Professor Helios's school, the Phaeton Project, and The Abyss, who was one of the original emergent heroes alongside Professor Helios and Xeroth in the Genesis squadron.
2: Pretty cool squadron. I can give you a little background on the crime blotter that uh, I don't think has ever been revealed publicly before in terms of just mechanics of origin. Uh, His his character is actually uh, inspired by, uh, years ago, I, I worked on a comic book project with uh, Dwayne McDuffie, uh, who we were, we were trying to do, uh, launch a, uh, a free comic magazine, actually. I, I worked with Dwayne and Derek Dingle post, uh, post their time at Milestone. And uh, we, we were working really hard on it. And uh, Dwayne and I talked a lot about these kind of uh, noir inspired superheroes. And in fact, worked on a, um, a project in that anthology magazine uh, that that featured a noir inspired noir uh, inspired character uh and so uh when i was you know coming up with characters for this crime water is is very much influenced by dwayne and is 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 uh when when it, it is a um i talked about being a, a love letter to, to comics uh this character is my um it was a message that i was sending to Dwayne out wherever, wherever he is now, you know, um, just saying, thinking about you, respect your contributions to this industry so much and, uh, miss you. So that's something that I I don't think we've revealed publicly before, but, uh, that's, that's definitely the inspiration for that character.
3: And it's a super big honor for me to work on a character who has that type of inspiration and also share, possibly shares the name with a couple of legendary editors (laughs) in the cut so he's very he is probably the biggest love letter to the industry right there
1: listen uh brian rachel i want to thank you guys so much i want to have another episode so you guys can come back and tell us more about these characters i don't want to spoil too much because i want everybody to get this cool intro that i got into the world and coming to the block party and you guys like inviting all of us crazy pressing to ask you guys all these questions about these
3: uh about these characters has been really fun
2: awesome anytime We're, we're always happy to uh to talk comics
3: absolutely thank you for having us this has been an amazing conversation thank you guys and you guys definitely go check it out right now Interpopcomics.com
2: or gotcha. you can get there from interpop.io
1: and check and out the issue zero you guys of the nine you don't want to miss it this ending is really cool check it out it's for free it's free go check it out <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys again have a good one thank you thank you, you too. so much
0: bye The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audio Boom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.